الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صل من قطعك وعف عمن ظلمك وأحسن إلى من أساء إليك أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسسفتر علماء كرام رضزن اللز This is a general situation that the understanding of a child is very limited and normally he doesn't understand or realize what is his destination. He doesn't realize what is his objective, what is his purpose, what is his destination. As he grows up, the parents send him to school. So he goes to school because he has to go to school. But why is he going to school? What is his purpose? What is his objective? Where is he aiming to get to? He doesn't have any idea. Parents have an idea maybe. But he doesn't have an idea. He's going through the motions and he carries on. Then as life goes on, as he grows further, maybe at certain stage in that schooling career, he might now start beginning to understand that there is a destination that he wants to reach or he should be trying to reach. So now he starts planning that what he wants to do and where he wants to head to, what he wants to become someday. Then he starts working towards that. But at one stage in his life he was just going through the motions. He had no idea where he is going. And nobody really takes note of that or bothers about it. Why? Because he is a child. He is still very young, doesn't have that maturity, doesn't have that understanding, doesn't have that reasoning. So he is a child. So you don't take it too seriously that he doesn't know where he's heading to. Someday he doesn't feel like going to school, he just makes a big uh, hue and cry about it, tries to pretend to be sick, some other excuse to try and stay out, try and stay out of it, but the parents force it, they know you're not sick, they know you're not sick, you go. Why he does all this, he doesn't have any idea why he's going. So he goes to the motions, when he can try and cut corners, he cuts corners, when he can try and just truant, he'll truant or duck. But now when the time came when he himself understood his destination and he now sees that this is the means of getting to that destination, that if I don't pass, if I don't get that certificate, then that aspiration that I have and that destination I want to reach, that would just be a dream. So now if he's sick, he's still pushing himself. He still wants to get there. He still wants to be present. Why? Because he has the objective in front of him. That's the difference between a child and an adult. Unfortunately, often when it comes to deen and the matters of deen, generally we are like children. Illa mashallah. Many people mashallah are understanding beyond that. They know their destination, they know where they're heading to. 
But generally, we go through the motions. We go through the motions even sometimes in the fundamentals too. Person, mashallah, he is already in the habit of being there for salah. So he's there for salah, he's there for his fajr, zuhar, asar, maghrib, isha. Mashallah, excellent. That's a wonderful thing. That's supposed to be encouraged to a greater extent. Person, mashallah, has the habit of making tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif daily, of the Qur'an Sharif daily, so he's doing that as well. And many other amal the person is engaging in, but many a times, despite all this, what is the objective, what is the destination, that sometimes, that does not stay in front of us. So as a result, what happens? Mashallah, the person performed his salah, but then he steps out into the business world, then he's doing something else. Something totally against what that salah itself dictates. Now he's conducting his business in a way that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. Oh, he's going into a job situation which is not in accordance to the commands of Allah Ta'ala. MashaAllah, the person is making his tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, his dhikr, his tasbihat, now suddenly there is a social matter, there is some function, there is some wedding that is being conducted in a way which is totally against the way of Rasulullah So now how does all this fit into the puzzle? It only indicates was one thing, that we forgot the direction, forgot the destination. The person who has the destination in front of him all the time, that my destination is I want to reach Jannat. I need to gain the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and the place of the manifestation of the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala is Jannat. So now that requires that in the masjid also he is worshipping Allah Ta'ala and in his business or at his job, in his profession also he is worshipping Allah Ta'ala. And whether it is some social function, whether it is a wedding, whether it is a funeral, all circumstances he is worshipping Allah Ta'ala. In the sense that he is doing what Allah Ta'ala wants him to do. Somebody, Allah forbid, is asked to come and indulge in some act of shirk, he will be totally aghast at it, he would be very, very seriously offended and rightly so. How can you ever do? How can you ever do that? Impossible. That same fervor that he rejects that shirk with, all those things that are branches of shirk, any haram, disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, it's all branches, just as Iman has branches, kufr and shirk has branches also. So it's not shirk in itself, it's not kufr in itself, but it stems from there. The sins, etc. So just as a person with that fervor will never go close to that shirk, he will stay far away from the branches of shirk, the branches of kufr. Lying is a branch of kufr. It's not kufr. It's a branch of kufr. Stealing is a branch of kufr. Defrauding is a branch of kufr. Indulging in all other sins, vices, zina, gambling, whatever else. So he will, so he will stay away from all this. Why? Because he's got his destination in front of him. Because this is a side, a road that is leading to a cliff. 
don't know when he might fall off. He's not on the path now. He's going off the tack. So this is what the Sahaba Ikram had in front of them all the time. And this is what they were concerned about, that how to stay on the path. How to get closer to the destination. So in Hadith Sharif, there's an incident mentioned. One Bedouin, very, very simple person. Person who, these Bedouins, they didn't have the opportunity to be sitting for extended periods of time, of time, of time in the company of Rasulullah They would come once in a while from far off because they were far off in the deserts and they had to attend to their things. So once in a while they got the opportunity, they came. So there were people far away from the centers. They didn't even have the chance to learn much of etiquette and they were accommodated accordingly because they never had the opportunity. Rasulullah would accommodate them. The Sahaba sometimes would go and find somebody like this and they would bring him and come to the gathering of Rasulullah Because these people, because of that lack of training in the proper etiquette, they were very casual. Very, very casual, very free. They wanted to ask something, whatever came in their mind, they just asked. But because the person never was able to have the opportunity to learn, he was accommodated. He was accommodated. It wasn't taken seriously. But the Sahaba would bring them because they would ask freely. And as a result, Nabi Islam would then reply. Everybody would benefit from the reply. One day, one such Bedouin, while Rasulullah is on a journey, he suddenly comes out of, from somewhere, and he comes and he grabs hold of the reins of the camel of Rasulullah and he stops it. Now, this is against every etiquette that we're talking about Rasulullah He comes and holds the reins and he stops him right there. Him right there. And then he asks a question. Now the question he asked was Akhbirni bima yuqarribuni ilal jannah wa yuba'iduni anin nar. He asked a very simple question to us very simple. But this question was the destination. He knew his destination. He wanted to know how to stay on the stay on the right road, which is the shortest cut to this destination. His question was, "Akhbirni bima yuqarribuni ilal jannah." Tell me what will take me closer to jannah, and distance me away from the fire of jahannam, because this is the summary of it all. فَمَنْ زُحْزِهَا عَنِ النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةَ فَقَدْ Nabi Islam says a person who has been saved from Jahannam and he has been entered into Jannat, this is the successful person. Everything else is by the way. So now he asked this question. We, all, we also heard the question. Sounds very, very straightforward to us. But what was the reaction of Rasulullah Nabi Islam stopped and then he looked around at the Sahaba who were, stand, who were alongside. He looked around at them first. Perhaps to see who did everybody really hear what he asked? And then Nabi Sallallahu said, Laqad wuffiqa. He praises this person's question, Laqad wuffiqa. This person has been divinely inspired. This is not an ordinary question. This is a very deep question. Laqad wuffiqa. This person has been divinely inspired. Can we imagine? 
Nabi Sallallahu is impressed with the question of this Bedouin. This person has been divinely, to us, it is a question. If somebody asks us this question, we say, no, fine. Well, uh, we'll just do the right things. Fine, that's the right answer also. But the question didn't sound too astounding to us. Nabi Islam was so impressed, he is telling the Sahaba, لَقَدْ وُفِّقَ This person has been divinely inspired. Then again he looks at him and he says, كَيْفَ قُلْتَ? What did you say? That was repeat a question. So that the purpose perhaps was that everybody must listen again carefully. Because Nabi Islam already heard it. He already praised it also. It wasn't that he wasn't aware what he asked. But now, he, but now he wanted him to repeat the question so that everybody would hear, this is a question to ask. This is a question to ask ourselves. If our child came to ask us, what's a part to Jannah? See, tomorrow you ask your Apa, your mother, I shall tell you. And if that same child came to ask, you know what, that, I heard you can turn sand into gold, how do you do that? Now we never heard about, now we never heard about it, and it's not possible also, but that could but that question would be something we might phone the family. This is a person in the making. He asked how to turn sand into gold. He's only 10 years old still. This is a real entrepreneur in the making. And he's probably an industrialist in the making. That would be a question to really marvel at. But that question, fine if a person earns something halal, and he used it in a halal way, and he earned his akhirat with it also, then excellent, mashallah. But, one day all that is going to get left behind. That's not going to come along with anybody in the qabr. But this is the ultimate destination. So Nabi Wasallam made him repeat his question. What did you say? So he repeated the, repeated the question. Now that he repeated the question, Rasulullah gave him the answer. Now the question is so concise. What a concise question. How can you now bring the whole of deen into this little time that is available, express everything? But the concise question, Rasulullah gave a concise answer to it. After all, he was Jawami'ul Kalim. Allah had blessed him with that mu'ajiza and that miracle that he could Summarize everything into a few lines. Put the ocean into a teaspoon. Forget the teacup. So Rasulullah replied to him. Now this is the reply that is in reply to a question of such depth that Nabi Islam was impressed with the question. What was the reply? So the reply he gives to him is first he says to him, Ta'abudullah wa la tushriku bihi shay'a. Worship Allah Ta'ala. Worship Allah alone and don't ascribe any partners to him. Don't commit any shirk. The foundation of Iman, that you have your aqaid in order, your beliefs completely in order, nothing that negates Iman must ever come close to it. Now many a times, this also seems very, very straightforward, very much everything looks very fine sometimes. But often under the surface there's something else. Under the surface sometimes there are many other things lurking. Many a youngster who has gone through Darwin's theory, now he's learning it in school and then he has to learn it for examination and then he has to learn it so well because he has to pass. 
Now he is revising it and repeating it and then he's writing it. He starts believing it. And this is not just a theory that's just a, something hypothetically being st- stated. Unfortunately, this is a reality, a tragic reality. Many have written this, that I think there is merit in this, Nauzubillah. There is merit in this theory. What is the sum total of the theory that he believes that he was born from a monkey? That is the sum total of it. Whereas the Quran Sharif Allah that I spelled out, the creation of man, وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ سُلَالَةٍ مِنْ طِينَ ثُمَّ خَلَقْنَاهُ نُطْفَةً فِي قَرَارٍ مَكِينَ And the whole creation of Adam والسلام, the Quran Sharif in so many places Allah Ta'ala has described this in detail. Now this is the inception, this is the starting point of man, the creation Allah Ta'ala created, directly from sand. And here what is this theory all about? No, no, this wasn't created. This evolved out of a monkey. This man came out of a monkey, evolved. And it negates all these ayat of the Quran Sharif. The evolutionists, they mock what is called creationism. They don't believe in such a thing. Creationism, creationism, this means that there is a creator. Now, they don't have any concept of a creator. So now this is the theory which starts off at the point of denying the existence of Allah Ta'ala. And now this is being learned and revised and relearned. And then to pass that exam, one youngster brought that and came for that particular section or that paper or whatever it is. This amounts to 46%, this whole section on evolution or whatever else. Now if he doesn't learn this and doesn't write this, he failed. So that whole, if he's doing that whatever sciences or something, then he's gone. Now he's learned it so much, one youngster writes and he wrote three pages sort of put forward his idea, this one person, many others as well, that he believes this there's merit nauzubillah, in inverted commas, there's merit in this theory. Now this is how dangerous this becomes. Here we are being taught you want to get to Jannah, that is your destination. If that's your destination, make sure that Ta'budullah wala tushriku bihi shay'a. Your iman is in order. The aqaida correct. Whatever Allah Ta'ala has commanded, whatever Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in the Qur'an Sharif, there's totally iman on that. There's no ifs and buts about it. And whatever Rasulullah Sallallahu has presented, wholeheartedly has been accepted. No question about it. Ta'budullah wa la bihi shay'a. So this is something to be very, very conscious and very careful about. There are so many incidents like this. Time is limited. Where youngsters suddenly out of the blue, they blurt out something. The parents got a shock of their life. Where is this child coming from? What, where he learned this and where he picked it up from? Whereas he picked it up from the same system that we are all putting our children in. Illa mashallah. Some places may be safe from it. Some places may be away from it. But generally this is the situation. That they pick it along the same syllabus, the same curriculum. So this is the first and the most important thing to keep checking, to keep checking our own iman, to ask ourselves, is my iman in order? And to keep checking what our children have. They are, everything they, is at their fingertips, what were they picking up and what they are digesting and how they are taking things. Love for bodies can be very dangerous for their iman and then the generations thereafter that may come. 
So this was the first thing that Nabi Sallallahu said to him, which is the most important thing that we need to reflect on. Ta'budullah wa la tushriku bihi shay'a. Then Nabi Sallallahu said to him, and then in this aspect of ibadat, there's so much of detail in it, that again our understanding of ibadat sometimes is just confined to just a few things. Perform salah and fast. Indeed, these are the pillars of Islam. But ibadat is beyond that as well. Ibadat is mu'amalat also, dealings. Social life, akhlaq, all these things is part of ibadat. And ibadat is 24 hours. How does a person keep getting closer to Allah Ta'ala? His whole life becomes ibadat. And they, as he progresses, there becomes a passion for ibadat. He is not content with just being there. Like the child going to school, just going through the motions. No, he is there with a sense of purpose. And then it becomes a part of his destination. One of the great Kabir, Khalil Ahmad Saharampuri very great personality. The author of Fazail Amal, we are all in some way or the other familiar with him. This was his sheikh and ustad. Now just to understand the aspect of when a person becomes engrossed in ibadat, in the form that we are generally only understanding in terms of his salah, etc. But then it becomes a passion in him. His daughter became very ill. She was whatever elderly. She became very ill. And it was becoming obvious that now the days are numbered. One evening she herself perceived that this is perhaps her last day around. She doesn't have time left now. So that night, Khalil Ahmad Sahib comes home after Isha. She says to him that, look, I don't think I'm going to survive past this night. She was quite ill for a while. And she says, look, I want you to be at my bedside. He was a really great personality. So she perhaps was wanting to take some consolation. A person of this caliber, who is her father, would be at her bedside if her time comes. And at that time she has to be breathing her last She'll take some support from his presence. So in any case, he heard that and he also was feeling the compassion. After all, it's his daughter. So he sat there. As he sat there and time passed, now came the time for his tahajjud salah. And it was his practice that every night in tahajjud he would recite three paras of the Quran Sharif. Now the time for tahajjud came. On the one side, he wants to respect this last wishes. It could be very well any moment now. And at the same time, he is now becoming like a fish out of water that the time of the tahajjud has come and how does he now not get that done as well. Eventually, he called his wife and he said to her, look, you please just remain seated here. And then he quickly started his tahajjud. But he started reciting small portions, two, two rakats at a time. And after every two rakats, he's inquiring, everything okay, no, well, fine, she's still around, basically. Then he starts another two rakats. And he continued in this manner until he completed the three paras. And he barely finished and came and sat down, and a few minutes later she breathed her last. On the one hand, neither did he manage or could, could he accept that he will miss out his tahajjud. But then he turns to his wife, now she's the mother now, her daughter has just passed away. He tells her that, look, 
whatever has happened, Allah Ta'ala's decree and hukam, Allah Ta'ala give her jannat. But there's still a little bit time left, you can complete your tahajjud also. Time is still available, tahajjud time is still available, you too can complete your tahajjud quickly. That kind of heart and engrossment in ibadat, person who's that engrossed in, cannot miss out that nafil, where is going to be possible that he'll miss out the farz? So now ibadat, this is the progress, one is just going through the motions, but there's a direction, I need to get deeper into it. I need to become more conscious of Allah Ta'ala. And to enhance that, I need to remember Allah Ta'ala. I need to be making the zikr of Allah Ta'ala daily. Making tilawat of the Quran Sharif. And improving my iman all the time. So in any case, this is the most fundamental thing. Ta'abudullah wa la tushiku bihi shayah. Then Nabi Salaam says to him, Tuqimu salah wa tu'ti zakah. That you must now establish salah in your life. The most fundamental obligation of deen. Unfortunately, if we survey the Ummad, then we'll find five times Salah, daily five times Salah. Not even five percent of the Ummad is on daily five times Salah. We are seeking the help of Allah Ta'ala. We are beseeching Allah Ta'ala for His assistance. But then what we are supposed to do as an Ummah, to what extent is that being done? The daily five times Salah if we really survey the whole Ummah, maybe 5%. Maybe. So this is the most fundamental part of deen. Our daily five times Salah. And to learn how to perform the Salah correctly. Many times, person performing the Salah, later on somebody just notices something, or he here, overhears something, he realizes his Salah was not invalid. He was doing some things which are totally invalidating that Salah. One person just somewhere happened to hear the Masail of Ghusl. He overheard the Masail of Ghusl and first time in his life, and he says first time in his life he heard, Allah knows best, maybe in Bhaktab days he went, didn't go, Allah knows what happened. But now he's hearing the person who is giving those lessons, he's saying that it's, there's three furs in Ghusl. One person was asked how many furs in Ghusl, so he said three. The person said, mashallah, this person seems to know what the answer is, and he asked him, what are the three? So he said, hot water, soap and towel. <laughs> So that was his concept of three, Farz of Ghusl. So this person also, first time in his life, he says he's hearing that Ghusl has three Farz and you have to gargle the mouth also. You have to put water into the nostrils till the end of the fleshy part. He says he never heard that. So he was just pouring water over himself and carrying on. He's an adult person, he's a married man and he's living his life for so many years like this and he can't remember that prior to that time that he heard that he had been taking care of gargling his mouth, well, later maybe by chance gargled his mouth, whether he ever put water into his nostrils or not, Allah knows. By chance that would not have happened generally. So now he's coming to the masjid, he's performing salah, he might have gone for hajj also. But his ghusl wasn't complete. His ghusl not complete, then there's no salah after that. Salah is not valid, because the person is in a state of janabad. Now, he was carrying on with life like everything is fine. But he was in such a major problem. Because he didn't have this basic knowledge. These are things to refresh. To take some time from our ulama ikram and go and learn the basic masail. Refresh it. Masail of salah, the masail of taharat, and all the other basic things that apply to us in deen, in our day-to-day lives. So, to establish salah.
تقيم الصلاة Establishing salah, performing it five times a day, on time, in the proper manner, with all the etiquettes, giving due importance to that salah. And this salah, we're all the time looking for this barakat, we're looking for the blessings of Allah Ta'ala. On one occasion, Rasulullah was traveling, he was on a journey. And now, we're talking about the journeys of those days, very, very arduous, very difficult, very tiring. So they stopped late at the night. So Nabi said, fine, now we'll wait till Fajr. So the Sahaba said that, look, you are very tired as well, why don't you rest? Nabi said, we'll rest, but who's going to wake us up for Fajr? So Bilal said, I will. I will stay awake, I will wake everybody up for Fajr. So everybody, Nabi performed a few rakats and then he went to rest. So Bilal continued performing Salah. Now it is closer to Fajr time, close to now, the break of dawn. So he came and he sat down and leant against that wagon or whatever, facing the horizon, so that now as soon as he sees the break of dawn, he will then wake everybody up. As he's just rested against that, whatever was there to lean against, he too was tired, in that moment suddenly sleep overpowered him. And sleep overpowered him to such a point that he didn't wake up and nobody woke up until the sun started shining. And the first person woke up was Rasulullah sallallahu Allah Ta'ala made this happen so that Nabi sallallahu through his practice it will become known that if somebody by chance, by chance missed his salah, then now what is the position? How does he go about it? How must he make the qaza? Because this is a death that he is now owing to Allah Ta'ala. So now he missed it by chance also, he has to still fulfill that debt. There is no fault here, but he has to pay the debt. So Rasulullah wakes up startled, says, Ya Bilal, Bilal, what has happened? Bilal wakes up, he is shocked as well, and he says, Akhaza bi nafsi man akhaza bi nafsik. That Allah who uh, took your life away at that time, that put you into that sleep, took my life away at that time to put me in that sleep as well. Meaning I also now was beyond my control. I was overpowered. Rasulullah then commands all the sahaba that move on from here now immediately. And after moving on for a short while, they come to another place. Nabi Salaam stops everybody. He says, now we will first make paza of the salah we must. But why we didn't make it same place? He said, that was a place where the effects of shaitan were. Can you imagine Rasulullah Sallallahu is present, Siddiq Akbar radiallahu ta'ala is present, Umar Farooq radiallahu is present, this whole group of Sahaba are present, and this happened without any deliberate intent, all the arrangements were in place to wake up for that Salah in time, it's like having set that alarm, everything is in place, and the Bilal radiallahu had taken the responsibility, and he's reliable and capable of fulfilling that responsibility, and it just happened now. Just something beyond control. Despite that, Rasulullah says, the effects of shaitan are there. So therefore we moved away from there immediately. Can you imagine where deliberately that salah is being missed? One is it happened by chance. And all these personalities, the greatest people to set foot on earth, Nabi Wasallam, And then in the terms of this ummah, the greatest people, the Sahaba Ikram. But the effects of shaitan, Nabi Wasallam were there.
So this is, we want the barakat, we want the blessings of Allah in our homes, everywhere. The first thing that we need to check is how punctual is everybody in that household on their salah. Nobody is missing their salah. Everybody is performing it on time, in good time. For males it's wajib to perform it in the masjid with jama'ah, unless there is some valid reason. So in any case, establishing salah, discharging the zakat, discharging the zakat, that correctly calculating it, to make sure it's not short paid, and then discharging it to those who are eligible, not just haphazardly giving it anywhere. Correct calculation, to make sure that it is not short paid, otherwise sometimes a person due to not, again, like that Masail of Taharat, the person is not conscious of the Masail pertaining to Zakat. As a result, he is calculating wrongly, he is paying much lesser than what the obligation is. He needs to find out, go to the ulama, this is what my position is, what am I liable for in terms of Zakat, and then accordingly discharge it. So this was the second thing. These are the fundamentals of Deen, the pillars of Deen. But in this, many, many things are already all included. Tuqeem salah salah is the greatest of all the ibadat, and together with that, all the other physical ibadats fall under this category. Zakat, all the monetary ibadats, everything falls under that category. Zakat is obviously at the peak, and under it, all the monetary ibadats. So the whole of Deen came by India. And then Nabi Islam, now we are just talking about this very concise question and a very concise reply. So these two things. And then the third thing Nabi Islam says to him, وَتَسِّلُرْ Rahim. Started off with ibadat, not committing any shirk, establishing salah, discharging zakat. Now there are so many things. The whole Quran Sharif is filled with so many dis- injunctions. Hadith, so many advices of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi on this occasion, just these things are highlighted. And in that is, وَتَسِّلُوا rahim, And you maintain family ties. Join family relationships. So this again is part of that concise answer. That on the one side is the ibadat in terms of hukukullah, the rights of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. So salah and zakah, these are at the peak under it come all the other rights of Allah, all the hukukullah. Now, hukukul ibad, the rights of the servants of Allah. It appears this is at the peak. Under this comes all the other hukukul ibad, the rights of the servants of Allah. Maintaining kinship, family ties. Now, many a times, this is something taken for granted. One of those things, fine. It's a good thing. It doesn't happen, not so serious. But can we imagine... That in this concise answer, just the very important things are being highlighted. Rahim. We've just passed the days of Qurbani, such a great ibadat. We heard about the virtues of Qurbani many times, perhaps before the days of Qurbani, in the day of before Eid. Among the virtues of Qurbani, we would have heard that there is no amal, there is no action that is more beloved to Allah Taala on the day of Eid al-Adha than the spilling of the blood of the animals of Qurbani. Nothing, no action that is more beloved. The faraiz obviously in his category and his place. Then now for example on the day of Eid, Eid al-Adha or the days of Qurbani basically, if somebody sat and recited Quran Sharif, he made one khatam of the Quran Sharif in that one day. Subhanallah, excellent, very great. 
but greater than that on that day, that is there in his place, not to uh, think of it as anything lesser. No, 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 that is very great. But yet on the day of Qurbani, Qurbani is greater than that also. Imagine the whole khatam of the Qur'an Sharif a person made. MashaAllah, excellent, you get rewarded tremendously. But even greater than that, it doesn't mean he mustn't make tilawat, he must make tilawat. But greater than the tilawat also is the reward of Qurbani on that day, slaughtering the animal. Somebody gave sadaqah on the day of Qurbani. MashaAllah, excellent. He gave maybe 100,000 rands. Maybe he gave a million rands. Perhaps he gave more. Maybe he gave 10 billion. Very good. Alhamdulillah. Summa alhamdulillah. He'll get rewarded tremendously. But on the day of Qurbani, slaughtering that animal for Allah Ta'ala has a greater reward than all that sadaqah also. And likewise, we can talk about all the other acts of ibadat. MashaAllah, everything is in its place. And everything is to be done as much as we can. But the greatest amal on the day of Qurbani, Nabi Islam says, is ma min amalin ahabbu ilallahi min ihraqid dam. That on the day of Nahar, ma min amalin yawman nahri ahabbu ilallahi min ihraqid dam. On those days, the most beloved action to Allah Ta'ala is the slaughtering of those animals. But in one hadith in At-Targheeb At-Targheeb, in there there is one exception. One exception that imagine everything else above it is Qurbani. But then there is something beyond that too on the day of Qurbani. Nabi Islam says, إِلَّا يَكُونَ رَحِيمًا يُوسَلْ Except if somebody is going out to join some family relationship. That on the day of Qurbani also is greater than Qurbani. All the other ibadat greater than that Qurbani. On top of not Qurbani is wajib. If it's wajib on a person, then it's wajib. On whoever it's wajib, he has to do it. But on top of the reward of Qurbani, greater than that also is that somebody went to join family ties. And that is what the Sallallahu is mentioning here on this occasion also. وَتَسِلُ rahim. Join family ties. Maintain that kinship. This is such a great amal that in the Hadith Sharif this has been given as the prescription for barakat in life, barakat in wealth. Man ahabba ayyub satalahu fi rizqih wa yunsa'alahu fi atharih fal yasil rahimah. Nabi Islam says the one who loves that he should be given barakat in his life and wealth. That's the crux of it. Fal yasil rahimah. He should maintain family ties. What is this maintaining? Joining family ties? In another hadith, Nabi Salaam explains it. That the reward is for that person who somebody cuts off ties from him, but he goes to mend the ties. He says, whatever happened, happened. He goes to mend the ties. That is the person who gets his reward. That is the person for whom dua is made at the arsh. That kinship has been given a form, and it's suspended to the throne of Allah Taala, And it is making dua, Man wasalani wasalahullah. Ya Allah, the one who maintains me, you maintain him. Man qata'ani qata'ahullah. Ya Allah, the one who cuts me off, you cut him off. What a kind of thing. At the arsh of Allah Ta'ala, this dua is being made. This is what Rasulullah has been highlighting here. That tasilur rahim. This person, after having given this answer, Nabi Salaam says, Da'in naqa. I told you what you needed to know. I'll leave the camel because he already grabbed the reins and he was holding it. Just, leave, the, leave the reins now. Now you may go along. 
this person goes away. As he's walking away, Nabi Salaam sees him and then says to the Sahaba, Law tamassaka bima umira bihi jannah. That he came asking something very, very deep. He asked the question, Akhbirni bima yuqarribuni ilal jannah wa yuba'iduni anin nar. Tell me what will get me closer to jannah. Now the prescription was given. Now in the end, Nabi Salaam says, Law tamassaka, tamassak, if he holds firmly onto what he was told now, Dakhalal jannah, he'll enter jannah, he's on the path. Now this is our destination. The child, the child doesn't know the destination. This goes through the motions. Allah's Fazal, we are now past that stage. Allah Ta'ala has made it clear to us what is our destination. Nabi Salaam has spelt it to us. Now we have to stick to that path. And in this particular Hadith Sharif, very concisely everything has been given to us that we want to get to the destination of Jannah. This is the pathway. Our Iman in order our salah, our zakah, all the aspects of deen. And iman in order, iman requires that a person does what Allah Ta'ala wants. Allah Ta'ala wants him to fulfill whatever Allah Ta'ala has commanded and to stay away from everything Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. Whatever Rasulullah Sallallahu has forbidden, to stay away from it. So to refrain from all sins, all disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. And discharging all the ibadat and all the hukukullah together with everything else, with the salah and zakah, all the hukukullah and all the hukukul ibad, the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala, and the peak of that was tasilur rahim, maintaining family ties, joining family relationships. This is the prescription Rasulullah Sallallahu gave us. May Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we hold on firmly to this beautiful prescription in what a wonderful way, in such concise words, Nabi Sallallahu summed it all up for us so that we can easily hold on to it and we can get Towards our destination, Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen.